We were never designed for the sedentary, indoor, sleep-deprived, socially isolated, fast-food-laden, frenetic pace of modern life. That is a quote from Dr. Stephen Alardi. For the vast majority of pre-human and human existence, our ancestors lived as hunter-gatherers. And it wasn't until about 12,000 years ago when agriculture was invented that the majority of people settled into more sedentary agricultural communities. Now, 12,000 years, that might seem like a, a huge chunk of time. But when it comes to human evolution, it's a small, small slice of our long history. And I share all of that to say the bodies and the brains that we have today are for the most part still designed and adapted for the lifestyle of a hunter-gatherer. In this episode, I want to take a look at what we can learn from past and present hunter-gatherers about how to live a healthier, happier, and more human life. As I often do, I'm going to be using an acronym that I made up to help frame this topic. I call it the hunter-gatherer score. The acronym score stands for sleep, the C is for consumption, O is for outdoors, R is for relationships, and the E is for exercise. And for each of these letters, you rank how well you've been doing in each category on a scale from 1 to 10. Okay, so you may be asking, why would I use the hunter-gatherers as sort of the uh, gold standard when it comes to physical, social, and emotional wellness? Well, to put it plainly, the research shows that we could learn a thing or two from these hunter-gatherers, past and present. When it comes to physical wellness, hunter-gatherers are remarkable in terms of their metabolic and cardiovascular health. Things like obesity, high blood pressure, diabetes, coronary-related issues, Alzheimer's, and many types of cancers. These things are rare or entirely non-existent in the hunter-gatherer communities that still exist today. In terms of social wellness, hunter-gatherers live in tight-knit and cooperative communities. They work together, raise children together. They focus on companionship and sharing with others. And they respect and include their seniors in the decision-making. When it comes to emotional wellness, hunter-gatherers live a lifestyle that fosters positive mental health. To provide just one of many studies that support this fact, in a study done of Aborigines from Papua New Guinea, out of 2,000 people evaluated, only one marginal case of clinical depression was found. Now, I'm not saying that all modern advances have been a waste and that certain recent innovations haven't been incredibly beneficial. And I'm not recommending that everyone should become Luddites, move into caves, and begin to forage and hunt for their food. But I do believe that finding ways to live a lifestyle that is closer to that of hunter-gatherers, that will result in significant improvements when it comes to your physical, emotional, and social wellness. So jumping into the acronym of SCORE, first up, the S of sleep. So what can we learn from hunter-gatherers on the subject of sleep? To start, let's look at how they start their day. Hunter-gatherers wake up just before the sun rises. And they wake up at the same time every day. There is essentially no variance in the time at which they rise and shine. When it comes to sleep hygiene, one of my go-to recommendations for people is to lower their sleep vow. Vow is also an acronym. And I swear, it will be the last acronym added to this episode. But vow stands for variance of waking. If you struggle with sleep, and especially with insomnia, Start by lowering your sleep vow. Get up at the same time or close to the same time 
every single day. And yes, that does include the weekends. But back to the hunter-gatherers, sleep issues, and especially insomnia, are basically unheard of in their tribes, to the extent that current hunter-gatherer groups don't even have a word in their language for insomnia. During the day, napping is extremely uncommon. In the evening, they will have a few small fires going, and they tend to go to sleep two to three hours after sunset. On average, hunter-gatherers sleep between seven to eight hours a night. And back to that small fire part thing for a minute. Those fires give off less light than a standard light bulb. Now, having small fires may not be an option when it comes to how you light your home, but sleep experts do agree that limiting exposure to bright lights in the evening, especially that blue light that emits from our screens, is one of the main ways to get better sleep. So to summarize, what can we learn from hunter-gatherers about sleep? Rise with the sun. Get up at the same time every day, avoid taking naps, and limit your exposure to light after the sun sets. Up next, the second letter of this hunter-gatherer score, and this C of consumption is all about nutrition and diet. A recent study of modern and ancient hunter-gatherer tribes showed that there is not just one optimal or perfect diet for humans. But even though different groups had different diets due to where they lived, in general, our ancestors' diets included a wide variety of fruits, vegetables, nuts, berries, seeds, and some lean protein from animal meat. By and large, hunter-gatherer diets are rich in fiber and protein and low in saturated fats and simple sugars. As a few sayings go, if it came from a plant, eat it. If it was made in a plant, don't. And eat less from a box and more from the earth. Next up in score, the O of the outdoors. And you may have guessed it, but yeah, hunter-gatherers tend to spend quite a bit of time in the great outdoors. But there's more to it than just that. As I shared earlier, hunter-gatherers get up before the sun does. And once they're up, they usually get the majority of their light exposure in the morning, between 8 or 9 a.m. When the sun gets higher in the sky, so does the sun's intensity and the heat. This is typically when they will seek out some shade. And this morning light exposure is worth mentioning because scientists believe these AM rays are important for our well-being. Studies have shown that morning light is significantly better than afternoon or evening light when it comes to reducing depressive symptoms. And early morning light exposure is one of the most effective treatments for seasonal affective disorder. Being outside keeps our vitamin D levels where they need to be. Vitamin D plays a significant role in our overall health. But a recent study showed that 42% of Americans are vitamin D deficient. So many of us spend the vast majority of our days inside, literally walled off from, separated from nature. These boxes of, of differing sizes, they're lit with artificial and low-intensity light. Most indoor lighting environments have less than 10% of the light intensity of what the outdoors will provide on a sunny day. Studies done by environmental psychologists have shown just how detrimental this indoor existence can be. Spending too much time inside and not enough time in nature can cause impairments in our attention and cognition. It causes disruptions in our mood and in our sleep. We need to get outside more, spend more time in nature. We need to touch the grass, as the kids say. Roger Walsh said it well when he said, nature heals and calms, removes mental trivia, 
and reminds one of what really matters. The next letter of this hunter-gatherer score is the R of relationships. For this one, ask yourself, am I spending time, enough time, with good and supportive people in person? We are more connected than ever through tech, but this online, this, this digital form of socializing, it cannot be the primary form of connection with others. I like to say that when it comes to socializing, our screens can supply the supplemental, but they will never be what's fundamental. The fundamental, the foundation of our social wellness is made up of in-person interactions. And whether you're an extrovert or introvert, research shows that the number one predictor of mental health, physical health, happiness, and longevity, yeah, it's meaningful relationships. For hunter-gatherers, they don't need to remind themselves to make relationships a priority because living and working together is necessary for their survival. The majority of their work is done cooperatively. And after the work is done for the day, and they don't call it work, by the way, but after that, they remain social. They stay connected by playing games, singing, dancing, playing instruments, just sitting back and swapping stories. And here's a fun and surprising fact about how much time they have for leisure. Turns out they have a lot of it. Studies show that on average, hunter-gatherers spend about 15 hours a week acquiring their food. Plus, an additional 15 hours a week is dedicated to domestic chores. So I did the math on this one. Those hours plus the hours they spend sleeping means that they have around 85 hours a week left over to dedicate to chilling out, enjoying some leisure activities, and relaxing with friends and family. And you may be thinking, cool. Uh, yeah, thanks for the fun fact. I'm sure my boss will be totally receptive to the idea of me working 15 hours a week because, yeah. That's what the hunter-gatherers do. So yes, while this isn't an option for most people, I do believe that small efforts to spend less time working and more time with friends and family, I can pay huge dividends when it comes to our overall well-being. And finally, the E of exercise. Hunter-gatherers wouldn't describe their movement as exercise, but hey, the word score doesn't include an M for movement. But back to it. You might not be surprised to find out that a group of people described as nomadic hunter-gatherers tend to move around quite a bit. This is true. They typically get in around 15,000 steps a day, which is about seven miles. But it isn't just about the distance they cover. The hunter-gatherer lifestyle gives us a few clues about the best ways we can approach exercise in our own lives. Their lifestyle includes varying types of physical activity. They might have several days made up of light to moderate physical activity, but after a few days of that, the hunt might be on. So they would occasionally have days that required their movement to become intense and strenuous for brief periods of time. Additionally, they keep their muscles strong by carrying supplies, hauling the prize of a successful hunt, or constructing temporary structures. Their physical activity, it was done outside, with others, and they spent quite a bit of time moving while playing games and dancing. So what can we learn from our hunter-gatherer ancestors when it comes to exercise? Well, let's keep our bodies moving every single day with some form of low to moderate intensity exercise. Combine that with some brief but high intensity exercise a few times a week and top that all off with a few weekly resistant training workouts to keep those muscles guessing. And see if you can do some of those things in an outdoor environment with other people. In general, let's get up and move. Let's play a bit more, 
dance a whole lot more. So there you have it. The hunter-gatherer's score approach to well-being. While us humans have made many important and invaluable advances over the last 12,000 years or so, change doesn't always mean progress. To close, I hope you can agree that we can learn a thing or two from our hunter-gatherer ancestors when it comes to being healthier, happier, more balanced, and connected 